today, as part of our podcast series, which is powered by Upside Global, we have the honor to interview again Dr. Ron Dick, uh, Associate Professor for Sports Marketing at Duke University in the School of Business. So, Ron, as some of you know, I worked for 20 years in sports, including 15 years in the NBA with the Sixers and the Nets, and then four years in the NCAA. So, Ron, nice to see you again on the show. Thank you, Julian. Happy to be with you today. Great. So, Ron, uh, what I want to talk about with you today was first the Tom Brady, uh, the max contract for 10 years with Fox, which was a surprise, I think, for many. And then uh, we'll talk about the U.S. soccer now uh, making history by giving equal pay for the women uh, and the uh, men's team. And then we'll talk about the NIL uh, with the NCAA situation there. And then we'll talk about the NBA playoffs. Uh, I'd love to get your predictions. And then we'll talk about the Bitcoin market and the implication for, for some of the teams. And then, then lastly, we'll talk about the Penguins and the situation with uh, Sidney Crosby. So how does it sound? Sounds great, Julian. Let's get it going. So great. So the first topic, uh, you know, actually happens, I think, last week. Uh, history was made uh, last Wednesday when the U.S. soccer and the men's and women's national teams announced a collective bargaining agreement that will see the team's athletes receive equal pay. So the agreement, which begins on June 1st and runs through 2028, will see the World Cup prize money pool between both teams and split equally. So that's kind of a first. Uh, as a footnote, for example, despite participating in nearly every World Cup since 1990, the US men's team has never won the tournament. And the, the nation's women's team have, but they haven't been paid nearly as much as the men's winners. For example, the French men's team received $38 million, right? We, the French team, received $38 million after winning the 20, 2018 World Cup uh, in, uh, I believe in Russia. And the, the US women's soccer team, which won one year later, only took home $4 million, which is tiny, right? Compared to the men's team. So what is your take on this whole thing? Well, I think it's a wonderful thing and uh, for the United States to be the first country out of roughly 198 countries in the world to do it is something we should be proud of. Uh, the women are coming off back-to-back -back World Cups. We can even go back to 2015 where we saw the women uh, create $50.8 million in revenue and the men were slightly under that at $49.9 million. So this deal's locked in till December of 28. So we're looking at uh, roughly six and a half years. Yeah. And uh, I think that's wonderful. The thing is, will this carry over to other sports? I, 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 my gut feeling is no. Uh, and the reason for that is that the women seem to be a lot more sex, a lot more successful than, than, than the men have been, as you just pointed out. And yeah. I don't know that every other sport is, is so much like that. So that's kind of where it is. It's probably a long time coming. They did a wonderful job, the women and the administration, making this a public issue, uh, yeah. filing the proper lawsuits to get it done. So yeah. I say kudos to them. And uh, it's well, well earned and well deserved. I think you're 100% right. And I, I was saying, you know, I, I, you know, if you take some other top women's soccer teams like Brazil, I think uh, they would have a hard time to uh, go to the Brazilian Soccer Federation and say, look, we want to get paid just as much as the, the Brazilian men's soccer team, right? Uh, I don't think they would have enough bargaining to, uh, to force that decision, but you never know. Um, yeah. 
So anyway, uh, so good point there. The second topic was, is really around the NIL, you know, in the NCAA. There was kind uh -huh. of a, a small controversy this week. On Wednesday, uh, Saban, the head football coach at the University of Alabama, called out the Aggies, Aggies for buying their top-ranked class uh, via the name, image, and likeness, uh, uh -huh. while his, uh, his Crimson Tide, I don't know if I said correctly, uh, did it the right way. So 25 players leveraging roughly $3 million in Neil deals, according to Saban himself. And so in uh -huh. response, uh, Saban, a former assistant coach, told the reporters, I you know, I know how much some of you, those guys recruit too, and you don't want to go down that avenue. So anyway, the, it got, kind of got heated between the two. So what, what's your take on this story? So I went back uh, after we spoke last night about uh, the type of questions we were going to talk about and did some research. And I saw that uh, the top five classes for this year recruitment was Clemson one, Alabama two, Georgia three, Ohio State four, and Texas A&M five. So it seems like Nick Saban's not happy that he's number two in recruitment. He wanted to be number one. Yeah. Well, Dabo Sweeney is doing and his staff are doing something at Clemson. That, and if it's paying more money, then I'm fine with the, the players getting paid. Uh, I know recently that the NCA is trying to, to, for lack of a better word, kind of rein this thing in a little bit. I mean, it may be a nicer way to say it is a part put up guardrails. Uh, we had a situation in the transfer, transferring of players in the uh, portal in which actually a pit wide receiver, uh, kind of an introverted guy named Addison, uh, Jordan Addison. Yeah. He's, from Cal he's from California and he went back home to, to visit, which is wonderful. And he was approached by some USC, Southern Cal people and said, hey, you know, you're so good, you could play here. And then he went public and said, hey, I'm going to go, I'm going to go to USC. And Pitt had never been notified. And that is definitely a problem. Like even when these coaches leave for multi-million dollar deals, at some point they do tell people that they're going to leave. So he probably kind of a shy, talented young guy. He didn't want to disappoint the pit uh, coaches, his friends that have coached him over the years. And uh, that's something that we have to just file the paperwork properly. I don't think anybody fights these students on, the, on transferring anymore the way they used to back in the day. But he did. He should have notified Pitt. So I think they're trying to rein in a couple things like that to make it a little more organized. Uh, my concern with Nil is I hope they still get to go to class as a professor. I would like to see them still go to class and pass their courses and, and learn that way. But uh, it seems like we're putting incentive clauses into these contracts and personal appearances in these contracts. So it's hard enough being a student. It's hard enough being a student athlete. And then it would be even harder to actually have a 40 hour a week job. So that's just the only thing that concerns me a little bit. Uh, I hope the education part doesn't get completely lost in this. But, hey, I'm, I'm happy for them to be able to to make some of the money that's long overdue. Uh, kind of naively, so many of them think they're going to play professionally at the next level and, and less than 2%, less than 1% really do. But that doesn't mean they weren't making money for their universities, especially in the SEC and the Power Five conferences. And they uh, they should be compensated for that. Yeah, that makes sense. Um, the next topic I wanted to talk about was, and it was kind of a shocking news a little bit, uh, Tom mm -hmm. Brady, right, who announced his retirement and then he came back and said, look, I'm going back and playing the NFL now. 
according to Andrew Martian of the New York Post, uh, Brady had agreed to a 10-year, $375 million contract with Fox, earning him an average of $37.5 million annually. So Brady's new deal more than doubled the contracts of C uh, CBS Sports' Tony Romo and ESPN's Troy Aikman, who previously set the bar among NFL analysts. So that's a lot of money, right? And, and the, the timing of the announcement, you know, while he's going to go back to the NFL, it's kind of odd, right? So why would, would they announce that, that, that deal right now when he's going to go back to the NFL? I don't quite understand that. But well, what's your take on that? Well, you know, I, I think if we step back and just look at the whole thing about a player transitioning post-playing, there's that documentary on ESPN or ESPN Plus called Broke where most of these guys that make this big money and today it's even bigger money than it was when broke came out the documentary, how their the players don't have any money, even though they made millions and millions of dollars during their playing career for a lot of different reasons. Uh, we do see uh, the Michael Strahan's of the world who I think he's the perfect example of, of a guy transitioning into the media, which is what Romo and Troy Aikman are going to do are doing successfully. Tony Romo just seems to have a certain type of personality that's very endearing to the, the average fan. Uh, he breaks it down. He talks about what he sees out there at the snap. And people love that inside trader information type thing that he provides. Can Tom Brady do the same thing that Tony Romo does? Uh, possibly. Uh, I actually watched a documentary last night on the tuck rule where he got together at his beautiful house uh, with his former teammate. And uh, they, they went over that actual play where he pulled the ball back in and uh, they called it an incomplete pass. And they ended up beating the Oakland Raiders uh, in uh, Foxborough last game ever played at Gillette stadium. And he was really good. I mean, he's very good at speaking like that. He, he makes people feel comfortable. And I think he's going to be really good. Is he $375 million good? I don't know. I don't know about that. And let's not forget the Peyton brothers. They're really good. I've been watching their, their documentaries where they go over kind of the history of football and some of the things that have happened. They're good too. So I think Tom's going to be fabulous. Is he that good? Uh, I don't know. Only time will tell. Uh, Fox wanted to lock him up. They didn't want CBS to get him or anybody else. So, you know, the money's there. You know what? The rich get richer. So, so God bless them. I'm happy for him if that's what he wants to do in, uh, post playing, whenever that yeah. is. But I, I mean, I, it's a bit surprising because I've never seen him being an analyst. Like, you know, and, and so that's a big gamble, right? Yes, he's got a big name, but uh, is he going to be just as good as Tony Romo? I mean, the, Tony Romo has been amazing. I mean, it's, 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 it's one of the best out there right now. So it's a big gamble, and I hope that's, that's you know they. I don't know how to calculate uh, the return on investment on that, but it's it's it seems like a lot of money. It, it is a lot of money, but it's a growing sport in the popularity. It's the number one sport in the United States, so I think it's a. Uh, I'd say it's a gamble, but it might be a gamble that it's going to pay off. Yeah. Uh, so next question, right? It's about the uh, the NBA playoffs. We're right in the middle of this. Uh, there's right. four teams left in the NBA playoffs, right? The Celtics, I was surprised that they, they, they beat the Bucks. by the way. I think they were very physical and they have a very strong defense. I mean, they've done a great job, right? 
Uh, and then yeah. uh, and then there's the Warriors, right? The Warriors with Steph Curry and Clay Thompson and the whole crew. And then you've got the Miami Heat that look very strong. And then the Dallas Mavericks that are really surprised and, and beat the Suns uh, at home on game seven. So what do you think will, what do you think will win the NBA title this season and why? Well, if you break each team down real quick, it, it, it does seem like the Warriors have been there before. Uh, they seem to be healthier today more than ever. Dallas hasn't been there since, what was it, 11 or so. The I, I'm not sure which one's going to win the Warriors or Dallas, but I, I believe the winner of the NCA of the uh, excuse me NBA championship will be whoever wins the Celtics Heat. I think they're just so physical, and their defense they really ratchet up their defense, and uh, I think it'll be the Celtics or the Heat. And you know I'll take the Celtics. I think the Celtics are going to win it this year. You think you're going to win it? I do. I do think they're going to win it. I mean, that would be a big deal because they haven't won an NBA title since 2008 and the great uh, Kevin, you know, Kevin Garnett and uh, Ray Allen and um, and those guys, right? Uh, Paul Pierce. So yep. that would be a they, pretty big deal. They were the, first, the first triplets, right? That was the first uh, team that was put together uh, by Danny Ainge, the general manager. And and now they uh, they got a good thing going there in the Celtics. They draft well. They have a lot of – they made some really nice trades. And yeah. they uh, they brought in the right pieces at the right time, and because right, that's how you do it, you're right. You draft well, you, you trade for good players, and you good you sign the right free agents, and uh, and uh, they do it right up in Boston with the Celtics for sure. So we'll see, we'll see if uh, you're right, but I, I like your your prediction. Um, but do not underestimate the Warriors. I'm joking, but of course, of course. I mean, the Warriors have been there; they're the veterans. The moment will never be too big for the Warriors, yeah. and. Uh, Anybody that's got their shooters, the Splash Brothers on their team, they, they'll always have a chance. They can yeah. always shoot them back into the game, and no matter how many points they get down. That's correct. Um, so the next topic is about one of the, the most talked about uh, topics, the crypto market, right? Crypto, people yes. talk about yep. Bitcoin. The crypto yes. market has shed almost $2 trillion in value, right, recently, triggering yes. some concern that could hurt the larger economy. But specifically in sports, right? What's interesting is that on top of that, some celebrities like Matt Damon, uh, Gwen Paltrow, LeBron James, uh, just a few celebrities, right? We were front and center in some of those crypto ads during the Super Bowl and beyond this year, right? So there's been some kind of a backlash about that, the fact that they endorsed it, that the market now is crashing. And then the other thing is the NFL also enables teams to seek blockchain crypto partnerships in a limited basis, right? So, but the league also held on to restrictions for specific cryptocurrency and the, and the fans. Uh, but some teams also, I think, as you pointed out, they accepted t- uh, uh, for people to pay in Bitcoins for, for the tickets to attend the games. So with the market crashing, what, what do you think is gonna be the impact on the crypto market on sports in general? Well, I think the first thing we have to accept is that Bitcoin was always a place where some people were uh, cleaning their money, that uh, they were they were going to put out Bitcoin and they were going to get U.S. dollars in return. It does seem very naive right now that some people went so far as to say Bitcoin will replace the U.S. dollar. Uh, just because you put your name in sports on a building certainly does not guarantee that you will be profitable 
what it does is give you exposure and, and, and accessibility and kind of affirmation. But I'll cite Enron down where the, I was living in Houston when uh, Enron Field was, was opened. Yeah. And they paid X number of million dollars to have their name on the building. Well, three, four, five years later, they were, they were done. You know, they went under and then the Astros had to go and approach another company. Of course, Minute Maid Park uh, put, their, put their name on it. The other one was the University of Phoenix. I remember in 2004, 2005, when they put their name in the suburbs in Glendale, which is a suburb of Phoenix, right next to where they play hockey with the Coyotes, these two facilities were built and University of Phoenix paid $7.7 million a year for 20 years and it was $154 million. You might say, well, where'd they get that money? Their gross revenues were $200 million. So that was 3% of what their gross revenues. Now they had all this cash coming in, you know, 200 people taking one course online with one professor who they're probably paying four or $5,000 to as an adjunct. Think about it. They didn't have a building to heat and clean. They didn't have uh, faculty members that could be complaining uh, and had uh, sal larger salaries. And they, all they had was revenue. But at some point, it ended up that they were not accredited. So that their name is off and State Farm is in because they were not uh, able to pay their bills to, uh, to the Cardinals. So now here we go. Staples Center comes off where the Kings and the Lakers and the uh, Clippers play. And a lot of people were saddened by this because that was really a, uh, a marquee name in, in uh, Los Angeles. They take Staples off. They put on. They didn't put Bitcoin on, they put on cryptocurrency. So yeah. my question is, where does that money come from cryptocurrency to pay these building people, these three teams? And what I found out is every single transaction that you do with uh, any of the cryptocurrencies, not just Bitcoin, which seems to be the most popular and most used one, a transactional fee goes into this mysterious uh, slush fund. And whoever's operating this slush fund the money to have their name on that building comes out of that. So one day if cryptocurrency came off formerly the Staples Center, wouldn't shock me in the least, just like it didn't in Enron, just like it didn't at the University of Phoenix. So I never put any of my money in it. I encourage the students not to put money me in neither. it. Me neither. Me neither. Trust but, me. But, but some of them were, they thought they knew something they didn't know. They may be frustrated with, you know, being in debt over other issues. So they they said, hey, this is a way for me to clean my money, too. And now they're down. Now they're down money. So you know, we're going through a lot of crazy things right now with the uh, real estate. Uh, they're just booming, 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 especially in warm weather areas as people are selling their house in cold weather. What we have is we have a lot of people living longer for the most part, and they're all migrating out of the, the northern cities in particular, even California, to move uh, South Carolina, Florida, et cetera. So, uh, that trend should continue with modern medicine. And I, 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 the stock market is going down, but that's where a lot of us get our down payment to buy a house. And I just don't know uh, how that's going to affect it. But with the stock market going down, with Bitcoin going down, it certainly seems to be in an unstable time right now. Everything going on in the Ukraine, like uh, a lot of people are a little antsy right now and on edge. And, and I think that makes sense. So that would be my Bitcoin thing. And then we should talk briefly about NFTs.
Yeah, uh, so quick comment, my comment on the crypto market. Uh, I told mm -hmm. you yesterday, there was uh, this documentary that I watched on Netflix and mm -hmm. it was a story, a real story about a guy, a young guy, a nerd that created a Canadian Bitcoin exchange. And it was like $250 million on that exchange. And all of a sudden a story broke that he was dead. He, he died uh, at a hospital in India. And there was a lot of speculation about the people thought that he never died. He escaped. He tried to fake his death. And right. it turns out that uh, they discovered that uh, he was the only guy with a password to access the money, which was strange, right? Because you would think that uh -huh. the other people have access to it. And then also uh -huh. turns out that his co-founder and himself, they had a history of building uh, businesses to scam people, which is not something you want to hear when you put your life saving into this, right? So, yes. Uh, not, so to your point, I think there's a lot of people that are jumping on this opportunity to make money, sometimes to scam people. So, but, mm -hmm. so it's very highly speculative. Uh, and then as far as the sports teams, to kind of bring it back to sports a little bit, the only team that I know that accepted this was the San Jose Sharks Yeah. for, for ticket sales revenue, like season tickets in particular, club box suites revenue. Uh, and they recently laid off some people. So, you yeah. know, that you wonder if that was affected by the crash of Bitcoin. Now, many of the teams accepted their sponsorship money. They, they, they'll allow them to, to advertise in their arena, on television, et cetera, uh, you know, on the, in the building. They, they'll take their endorsement money, but they did not allow them to pay per season tickets with Bitcoin. So that those four of the four major sports, those teams seem to be safe from the fallout of this. But the ones that accepted it may not be. I think you might be onto something, the connection between some of the layoffs and then the connection with cryptocurrency. Uh, then maybe there's something there as possible. In, in Silicon Valley areas. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, last topic I want to talk about was, you know, I've been following, and I know you've been following the NHL playoffs. Uh, one uh -huh. of the, the interesting series was between the Penguins and uh, the New York Rangers, right? So yes. the star players for the Penguins, Sidney Crosby, was taken out by a blindside hit to the head in the second period of the game five, uh, with his team still leading two nothing at the time against the Rangers. So he missed the rest of that matchup. Then all of the game six, uh, so both end, ended as the Penguins' losses, right? So you, you think there's a connection there, the fact that he wasn't there, right? So yes. Had the team's most important player, which some believe is one of the best of the new uh, Gretzky, right? In healthy, you know, who knows if they would have won the series. But what interesting thing that happened is that after the Penguins were eliminated in game seven, there were some reports saying that Crosby had actually been cleared for game six, but held out as a precaution dictated by the front office. So what is your take on that? Is that, do you think it's possible? Sure, I think it's possible. Uh, though Marilyn Muse sold his piece of it, he, uh, he's still on their board of directors and he has a very strong relationship with Crosby. Uh, Ron Hextall is the general manager, former Flyer great goaltender and former GM of the Flyers. He's the GM of the Penguins. And they may have gotten another opinion from a doctor or I'm sure Crosby wanted to play. Yeah, but you know, long-term effects. I mean, I think Crosby play, 
plans to play another two, three, four, five years, possibly maybe one of these situations where he plays into his very early forties. Uh, he was born in 1987. That's why he wears the number 87. Yeah. So maybe it, it was too much of a risk in the long term to, to do this. He has been concussed before. And, you know, multiple concussions are something that's very concerning in football. So I'm sure the same thing would be hold, hold true there. You know, we're going through a whole thing like Simmons and the NBA. He, they clear him. And then he says, I just don't feel like I can go. And it's not like we're asking him to go in the octagon or go boxing or, uh, or anything else. Uh, we just ask him to play basketball. and He won't do it. Historically, the basketball players uh, don't fight through some of the injuries the way the, uh, the hockey players do. And in this case, maybe a second opinion said they saw some things they didn't like in a, in a scan. So they wanted to, uh, in the long run, just protect him. And, of course, they, they were up three games to one. And they lost three in a row. And they had some goalie problems, too. Some of their goalies weren't healthy. So that was very unfortunate for the Penguins. But uh, I think in the long run, they did the right thing. Yeah, I think you're right. Uh, oh, last question, if I may. We're in the middle of the MLB season, right? And I know you love MLB and baseball. Who mm -hmm. do you think yeah. is going to win the uh, the World Series this year? Wow. <laughs> uh, wow, it's so early, right? It's the middle of May. I I, I'm not. I'm not really sure. I I, I certainly got to always count the Dodgers in. They're a big money team. Yeah. Um, all of a sudden, the uh, the Angels are playing well, and I'm yeah. um, happy to see that because uh, Artie Marino he. He spent a lot of money as the owner for years and years and years and really didn't get much out of it. Yeah. So let, let's say the Angels Dodgers are going to be in the World Series together, but let's not discount the Yankees. I mean, all yeah. of a sudden they they figured things out and they're doing real well. Uh, the Mets were really dominating the uh, National League East, but now uh, Max Scherzer, who's been nothing but phenomenal for them as a yeah. three-year signed free agent for huge money, $43 million a year, highest paid player in the history of baseball, to my knowledge. Yeah, uh, He's injured for at least six weeks. You know, this is what happens to older players. They get injured and they get older, but he was performing at an unbelievable level. So uh, I don't know if I here in May, if I have to guess, I'll say Angels, we'll call it a California World Series, the Angels versus the Dodgers. But that is strictly a guess. And please don't out there in uh, podcast world, please don't bet on anything I tell you, because I don't really know either. Okay. Well, let's see if you're right. You know, we'll see. Uh, I know it's early, like you said. So um, I don't have any preference, by the way. I'm not a big okay. baseball fan. I shouldn't say that, but I'm not. I didn't grow up in this yeah. country watching baseball yep. so uh baseball but, baseball seems to be a real united states game and the, the japanese community has really embraced it too but yeah it does seem to be uh mostly u.s i think you're right um so look we, we're at the end of the interview but i wanted to uh, thank you again for your time it's always great to talk to you so thank you great to talk to you too julian thank you so much and i hope everybody's doing well out there in the listening world there we go thank you thank you bye-bye bye-bye